This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. And we are live. Here we go on Torah Anytime. We're not really live on Torah Anytime, but we have a separate camera here that records the Torah Anytime. So thank you all for joining us over here on NasaNow.com. Thank you all for joining us. Really appreciate you logging in on this Wednesday night. It's like 92 degrees outside. Real feel like 100 and 192 degrees. There's like some guy who goes out in the morning and he's like, I don't know what it says on the thing, but it feels to me like 192 degrees, and that's how they re- that's how they record, you know, the, the weather outside. It is a hot one out there, but thank you very much for joining us here in the summer. So we are up to our NASA um, number three, our third um, segment within this journey through Midos. Now, I did want to say because there were some people who were emailing us like about you know all these classes, how they can find out more information about this. So there's two things that I wanted to say before we start. One is a thank you to Chami Landman and anybody who wants to sign up for future um, events, we can you can just sign up by nasanow at gmail.com or nasanow.com. But also on Torah Anytime, there's a feature where you can go to a speaker. It doesn't have to be your favorite speaker, just a speaker. And you can click and you can actually follow. So if I'm on that list somewhere, you can click it and you can just follow. And this way, after the class is posted, it will, it will notify you that there was a class that was given, and then you can watch these classes. So if you happen to have something going on on a Wednesday night, in two weeks from now, for example, and you missed this class, you can always follow it up afterwards, and you'll be notified that the class existed. So that is the feature on Tour Anytime. For those of you who did not know that, now you do. All right, so third class over here, okay? So my favorite word in the last couple of days has been bifurcate, Okay? Bifurcate. Anybody know what bifurcate means? If you do without Googling it, let me, yeah? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, good. So we'll, we'll learn something new tonight, even if we don't learn about Midos. Bifurcate. Okay, so, so let's, let's start with just an, a concept, an idea. And I want to share with you, um, not just one idea, but a few ideas here that we'll try to string together. So, a lot of times I go for long walks with my wife, and I present to her ideas and concepts and questions, and we try to kick it, you know, kick it around and, and talk it through and schmooze it through. And the one idea that, in my mind, at this time of the year always comes up is this idea of sinaskinam that we hear so much about, right? We hear sinaskinam, sinaskinam, everybody should be so scared, sinaskinam. And, I mean, I like to think I'm just like a regular person, just like, you know, you, I mean, you guys are, you know, amazing because you're tuning in on a Wednesday night to a share, but... Like, the idea that, like, we walk around just objectively hating everybody. Does anybody here, like, really connect with that idea? Like, do we really walk around and go, like, yeah, you know, I hate, I hate all these people and all those people and, like, all those people who wear those type of hats and these type of hats and these types of people. I don't know about you. I don't think I'm the biggest tzaddik. I don't walk around with all this hate pent up inside of me. I just, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't feel that. And every year when people start talking about Sinaskinam when it comes to the three weeks, I'm always thinking to myself, like, who, who are they talking about? Who is walking around, like, with road rage? Like, you're just, like, angry at the world. You know, like, whatever happens, like, you're just so upset. Is, is, that, is that really, like, who we are and what we're struggling with? And if you would ask me, within stories of people who I know, or you probably know, who who don't talk to each other and they have disagreements, they have arguments, if you would say to them, hey, that's sinas chinam, what would their answer be back to you? No, it's not. It's not sinas chinam. That guy stole money from me. That person divorced me. That person hates me. 
You know, it's not sinas chinam. I don't hate them for nothing. I don't wake up in the morning and just say, I hate that guy. You get up in the morning and you say, I like everybody, except for the guy who just stole money from me. That, I, you know, is that sinas chinam? Is that something that we have to, like, be, be working on? So, I, I want to delve into this a little bit. I don't know if we're going to do true justice to this question, but I think it's it's something to think about, you know, in any case. But I want to try to present a concept and maybe an argument and something that we can potentially you know, we can potentially learn from over here. So, th- there's there's a very interesting Gemara, a Gemara in Sukkah. And the Gemara says that a person should be aware that a person should be aware that Yitzray shall Adam miskaber Allah b'chal yayim. A person has a Yitzhahara, and this Yitzhahara is so strong that it will challenge all of your Midos every single day. Unless Hashem will help you out, you have no chance. So that means every person, every morning, gets up, and there's a message from the Gemara, from, from Chazal, right? And they say, you should be aware, these were the Amirayim speaking, that a person will get up in the morning and he will be challenged way more than he's ever going to be able to succeed. But don't worry. Hashem has your back. Hashem will protect you. And Hashem will help you get through the day. He will help you fight your Yitzhahara. So, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of giving me a Yitzhahara that is so strong that I have absolutely no ability to win? I have no ability to, to fight, to get to where I need to get to, except that Hashem happens to be so benevolent and so kind that He helps me get through the day. Meaning you're going to be tested on your anger. And you have no chance of succeeding. But Hashem will help you. You're going to be tested on your jealousy. And you have no chance of succeeding. But Hashem will help you. What's the point? Hashem, why don't you give me what I could handle? And then if I can handle that, and I succeed, so then I'm a good guy. If I go through the day, and the only reason I got through the day was because of you helping me, so then what is the point of all of this? So Chazal say a very interesting concept. Okay? Here's my word, bifurcate. Okay? So... A person has to know that there are what is called midos chitzonias and midos panemias. A person has external midos and internal midos. So I'm sure you've seen people who they might come across like very sweet and very nice and very angelic. And then when you like see them tested or you see them, you know, in certain circumstances, you're like, whoa, (laughs) that's this person? It doesn't make any sense. And Chazal say that a person has two levels of Midos. And really, it's obviously more than two, but let's split it into two. Let's bifurcate, okay? Bifurcate means to split into two, okay? So let's split into two. A person has Midos Chitzenyes, which are external Midos, and a person has internal Midos. The external Midos are the challenges that you face. The external Midos are the way that you interact with people, your Hadras Panim, do you, do you smile? Are you nice? Are you sweet? Those are the external midos. The internal midos is something which not everybody, not everybody sees, not everybody feels. But it's deep in there, deep within you. And therefore, Chazal say that a person gets up in the morning, most people don't even internalize that they have internal midos. They wake up in the morning and they're like, how are you doing? They're like, yeah, I'm happy, I'm good, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. The internal midos run very, very deep. And the first idea that I want to address 
is that we have to recognize that we have internal midos. We have midos that run extremely deep. And sometimes the external midos and the internal midos are not exactly the same. Sometimes you have a person like Haman, where the, where the, the Pasuk says, right? Vayemer Haman Belibai. Haman said in his heart, meaning he was a Russia through and through. But then you also have people like Yeravam ben Avat, who was, who was a great person, but it also says, Vayemer Yeravam Belibai. Within his heart, he was a bad person. He bifurcated. He split. On the outside, he was nice and he was good. He was benevolent. He was sweet. He was amazing. And then on the inside, mm, it was motivated by bad things. He was jealous. He was angry. He had all of these things, these midos, pinemius, these internal midos, which are no good. Now, why do I say all this? Because the first idea that I want to put onto the table, which I think is, is, is an important idea, is that a person has to recognize when you get up in the morning that you have a journey of midos, something that we've been speaking about. Meaning Hashem gives you much more than you could handle knowing that one day you will build yourself to be able to handle this. How many people here are in Shaduchim? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people here are married? Raise your hand. Right? Sometimes, people in Shaduchim, or people who are married, you, you go out with a guy, and you say, you know, this guy, he's not exactly like me. Or I hear this from married women and men as well. My husband is a little different than me. My husband challenges me. My husband grates on my nerves. This guy seems very different than me in this sense. This person seems more emotional than me, less emotional than me. When a person is dating, and this is a much larger conversation that we really should have, but oftentimes it's not so wise to find somebody who's exactly shava b'shava with you. One of the greatest skills within a marriage is learning to bring out the best in the other person who you are in a relationship with. This meeting is being recorded. Not just, thank you, not just to be in a relationship with the person, but to be in a relationship with the person that you see their panemius, what they are capable of doing, and to channel and bring it out from that person. I'm going to say that again, okay? Because a lot of you, I see that it just a bunch of blank stares. When you get married, you're not just going to marry a guy, right? And say, well, his level of confidence is, let's say, a 6 out of 10. So he's, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> he's, he's a guy, he's a good guy. Okay, fine, you know. No. If you're in a good marriage where you have kesher, a connection, so you say, this person's a 6 out of 10. How do I bring it into a 7 out of 10? How do I bring it to an 8 out of 10? Part of being an azer, kenegdai, right, a spouse who's a help. What does that mean, a help? Your job is to do the dishes. Your job is to, is to clean the floors. Your job is to help bring out the innermost potential of your spouse. Chazal are telling us that every person has innermost potential. If Hashem wouldn't help, a person would have no chance. That's you. That's the wife. That's the woman. You have the ability to build your husband, to change your husband, husband, to channel your husbands, to bring this person to their fullest potential, and vice versa. That they will help you be a calmer person, they will help you become a more confident person, they will help you become somebody who works through various midos. The first idea 
I want to share with you is that we have much more potential than we give ourselves credit for. And if we take a minute to just recognize that, Hashem says, when you start off, you are a baby, you are a child. You, you, you think you got angry when you're 15 years old and that's the extent of what you're able to, 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 to do? To hold yourself back from being angry when somebody steals your bike? What happens when you're 19 and somebody steals your shidduch? What happens when you're 30 and somebody steals your company? These are levels within what a person can go through in their life. But if you remain emotionally a 15-year-old child, then you'll always be a 15-year-old. Says the Gemara, you have potential. Much more potential than you ever realize. And if you recognize that, then you will view every challenge to your midos as a stepping stone towards a greater you. That's the first idea. Now, a few years ago, it was actually, I was talking to my wife, it was my first public speech that I ever gave. My first public share that I ever gave. So I was learning in Eretz Yisrael by Rabbi Yisrael Berkowitz's kolel. And Rabbi Berkowitz is well known for all of his ben adam lechaveray sugyas and ideas. So somebody sent a message to the kolel that the nishay of the ir ha'atika, the old city, was looking for one of Rabbi Berkowitz's students to walk in on Shabbos and to give a share to the nishay of the old city on something that has to do with Ben Adam Lachavir. So I was selected to go down and give the share, and my wife, who was probably in her 7th or 8th month with my, with my son, she walked with me, it was like a good 45-minute walk from where we were living, and we came to this share of the women of the Ir Hatika of the old city of Yerushalayim on a Shabbos afternoon. I remember it was the first time I saw like posters with my name on it, like, giving a share. I was like, wow, this is so exciting. You know, it's Shabbos. I couldn't take a poster with me. I was like, wow, okay, I'm so excited. I'm giving a share to the women of the old city. I came into the women of the old city. And mind you, this is the old city of Yerushalayim. So, um, again, whatever your stance on Eretz Yisrael is, these people are, are, are pretty Zionist, right? Zionistic, right? They're, they're very pro-Israel, any which way you slice it. So, when I started the share, okay, so I said, um, I said, how many people here would say that they have Avas Yisrael, that they love every other Jew, right? Everyone's like, me, kumbaya, let's, you know, we love everybody, everybody's amazing, you know, like, very like, loving, we love every Jew, and everybody's amazing, and Am Yisrael Chai, and, 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 and you know, Eretz Yisrael, and, and Eretz Yisrael, and Am Yisrael, like, they're like, they're a very loving group of people, okay? So I said, fine. So now I have a question for you, okay? So you have a person, he knocks on your door here in the old city of Yerushalayim, and just close this door, please. And the person knocks on the door and says, "Hey, how are you? I'm here collecting money for a very fine yid, a good Jewish guy from Williamsburg. This guy needs money. He needs help because um, he's very busy with Askanas. He's very busy running around, you know, the globe. And uh, unfortunately, his family has no money. And I was wondering if you could help him out. How many people here would give him money?" Everyone's like, me? Right? How much money would you give? 100 shekel? Yeah, 100 shekel, no question. I said, okay. And then you start saying, well, what askanas is this guy involved with? Like, what is he doing for Kalisra? And the guy says, well, this guy, he really believes that no Jew should ever settle in Eretz Yisrael. So what this guy has done is he's dedicated his life to meeting with leaders of Iran and, you know, all these Arabic countries. And he, he really believes no one... Um, he believes that nobody, there's some people whose, uh, 
Yeah, if you just mute yourself. He believes that there's absolutely nobody um, who should be living in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore this guy, he's dedicated his life to that. So his family, unfortunately, has no food, and they're starving, and he's in the middle of meeting with Ahmadinejad and, and you know, all these guys. Um, so his family needs help. Would you mind, you know, giving him maybe more than 100 shakal, maybe 200 shakal, 1,000 shakal? Like, what would you be comfortable with? And all the hands in the room that were very pro this individual a minute ago when he was just an Askin, their hands started lowering. They were like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, if that's what this guy's dedicating his life to, I'm not so sure about that. Like, I have, I think, very good reasons why I don't have to give his family money. I think this guy needs to be spoken to. We, we have to come up with, like, a vod and a response and whatever it is. And it was very interesting to see how the room shifted from, like, loving, doving everybody, you know, in the world to all of a sudden, like, except for the people that we have legitimate gripes against, those people, we don't love them all that much. And what came out at the end of the story after we went through the sugyas and we spoke things through, don't worry, we ended off on, we were all friends at that end. But what we, what we spoke through when we, when we spoke about this idea is the idea of bifurcation. There's a person has to recognize that on the external side of things, there will always be a reason to hate other people. There will always be a reason to hate other people. It's, they don't have to have the, the biggest shitas against you. They could, ha- they could reject you slightly. They could not take your child into a school. They could say no to your family because of a shidduch. They could do business different than you. They could sound different than you. And those things that they do, you will say to yourself, this is not sinas chinam. I don't hate this guy for nothing. I hate him for something. I hate this guy for something. Because he stands for something different than me. It's not sinas chinam because he stole money from me or he's not exactly how I thought he was in the beginning or he rejected me. We can always come up with a reason why we hate the person. What's my favorite word? Bifurcate. We have to bifurcate. We have to split between protecting ourselves by standing up for our own principles yet at the same time internalizing that this other person is our brother. And because they are our brother, we have to love them to the point where if they have no food, you have to give him food. Because you love him. But you, but you can't stand his principle. But you can't stand what he stands for. You disagree with him vehemently on everything that he says. But you're not going to stand by and watch his child starve. You're not going to stand by and watch his family be evicted. Because he's your brother. Because he's your brother, you can't, you can't get to that level of animosity of hate. That is sinaskinam. To hate somebody else, to go all the way down to the midos peninius, to the internal, I hate you, that is rishos. There is no place for that. Unless the person is actually a rasha, and Chazal say you can hate a rasha. But every other person, you can disagree with them, you could stand up for yourself, you could say no, you could stand up for your principles, and you can even put on a face that says to them, I disagree with you, I'm protecting myself from you. I respect you, but I am chayshed you, I suspect you, therefore I won't do business with you. But I love you. You're my, you're my weird brother. You're my strange cousin. But I love you. 
I would never let your family starve. I would never let something bad happen to you. I remember when Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, when he spoke about this halacha, of Yahafta Recha Kamocha, which is something that we take for granted. And he said, you know, people always talk about how in America, the, the, the Gentiles are so nice to us. They're so sweet and, oh, sir, thank you, sir, please, sir. They're so nice to us. And in Eretz everyone's very, you know, calloused and they're very like, you know, like, like you're on the bus and they're giving you like, you know, like ideas how to raise your children. Like, you know, that's not how you raise a baby. Come here, I tell you, I show you. You know, like they're very like in your face. That's how they are, right? And Rebekah always says, a lot of Americans, when they get to Eretz Yisrael, they're like, whoa, people here are so gruff, they're so mean. He says, I guarantee you, when there's Lailenu, a mob, that surrounds a Haredi guy from, from the heart of Meisharim, with all of his gear, and you could tell what his stance on Zionism is. And this Arabic mob is about to kill this guy. He says, I guarantee you the most Chiloni soldiers and police officers will risk their life to extricate that Jew. Because at the end of the day, they are brothers. They don't agree on a lot of things. Their Midos Chitsonios look terrible. But on a Midos Paninius level, on a deep level, they have both internalized that they are brothers. You ever watch what goes on in the, in the Knesset? Like these arguments that go around? It's like wild. It looks like a, like a rodeo. Everyone's screaming and yelling and jumping and screaming. At the end of the day, they internalize that there's a bifurcation between their Midos Chitsonios and Pemius. A person who works on this will truly address what it means to not have Sinas Chinam. I love you because you are my brother, because you are my sister. And when you actually focus on that level of relating to a person, you will start to act different towards them. You will be nicer to them. Your midos, your midos chitsonios will change when your midos panemius reflect that. Does this idea make sense to everybody? Bifurcate. Okay? Now, so that's the second idea that I want to share with you. There's a third idea, which I've been kicking around in my head. I don't, I don't believe anybody really is, is, is able to talk about this idea in its entirety. It's something which we collectively as Kali Yisrael are going through right now, but it's something that I'm trying to work on for myself, and therefore I want to share this and maybe somebody will connect with this idea. I'm sure you're all aware of what's going on in Florida, in Surfside, and the enormity of the tragedy that's happening over there. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the emotions that somebody on the ground there with family is, is actually going through. I think it's, it's almost impossible. The, any challenge that anybody who has not gone through a similar situation, it, it, it's like light years between what we consider stress and what somebody in that situation is dealing with. I spoke to some people on the ground over there last week you you can't you can't put into words what's actually going on um i grew up you know my father always said you know that our kabbalah is that anybody who talks about why world events happens you should just change channels we we're not on that level to be able to to do that but there is something that that struck me that i wanted to bring here which also incorporates the words 
bifurcate. So we'll see if we could throw this out there. There's a lot of things in Judaism which are intended to be public displays, public spectacles. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not good. But we find many times in the Torah where it's brought down or in the Gemara, where the Mishnah, where it talks specifically about public events. I'll give you an example. On Yom Kippur, at the end of Yom Kippur, people would go and they would either watch a certain shechita that happened or they would watch the Kohen Gadol leaning. Both of those were very passive events. They were passive events. You were standing there in the crowd and you're just watching what happened. Why? What was the point? Let's see that day, Tim Kippur, back in the days of the Beis HaMikdash. I'm not really into this. I'd rather just like go for a walk. It's a long day. I'm fasting. I'll just pace around. Chazal say, the Torah says, Mishnah says, the Gemara says, that there was a special mitzvah to go out and watch one of these two events that was happening on Yom Kippur. At the end of Yom Kippur, everybody would come together into the Beis HaMikdash and they would watch as this red string would turn white. They would watch it, right? You were, you were passive, you were a spectator. What was the reason for that? Why? What was, the, what was the public, like, what were they supposed to do? They're supposed to stand there and then go like, yeah, I was there. The mitzvah is just to watch, to listen. So I want to suggest, I didn't see this brought down, so if you want to argue with me, it's fine. You could email me, I'll, I'll, I'll take your criticism, okay? But I want to suggest that the Torah is not there just trying to tell us that we should be spectators. Go be a spectator. Go watch something. The Torah is trying to tell us that on the day of Yom Kippur, a person should internalize what it means to do a chet, should internalize what it means to do teshuva, and should internalize that Hashem was mechaper on all of your avinus, on everything that you did. And through that emotional feeling, that is what helps along Hashem being mechaper, Klai Yisrael. Not because you watched it. You're not watching it sitting there going like, well, I hope the Yankees win the pennant. That's not what Hashem wants you to do. You're supposed to watch it and internalize what's actually going on. On the outside level, not much is really changing. But on the inside level, there's a tremendous amount that's changing. You're internalizing what it means that Hashem at this moment is forgiving you for everything that you've ever done. And it's a totally new lease on life. And it's a new year. That is what you're supposed to internalize. The Chahena, the Chahena, we find this in so many different aspects where there is special mitzvah to be a spectator. I want to suggest that we as a people have been forced, forced to see the Yad Hashem more in the last 18 months than almost ever before. Forced. You, can't, you have to be blind to not see the Yad Hashem. Between Corona and Meron and, and the bleachers collapsing, literally every, and now Surfside. You have to be blind to not see the Yad Hashem, that this is a message from Hashem. And I want to suggest that the same way the avoda of a Jew throughout the millennia was not to be a passive spectator and just be like, yeah, I saw it. I remember. I remember 9-11. It was an event. I remember when 9-11 happened. I remember my father said to me, Ruben, get on the train. We're going to Lower Manhattan. I was like, 
I don't know if you know, but it's not really a great place to be right now. I was like, no. We're going because I want you to see with your own eyes the Twin Towers rubble. This was not obviously on 9-11. It was a few days after. And it was in the month of El. And I remember my father said to me, he said, this will change your Rosh Hashanah. This will change your Yom Kippur. You can't see this and just say, I remember that day. It's not just a day that lived in infamy. It's not just something that's on the calendar. It is something that you experience emotionally. And I want to suggest that the reason, I'm not here to say reasons, but what we can take out of these stories is that Hashem is thrusting us to see, to be spectators. And all we have to do for a minute is just internalize another year's tsar, the pain that somebody else is going through. All we have to do for a minute is just internalize the magnitude of what happened over and over and over. And just recognize for a minute that there is a kuchabrihu, there is Hashem in the world. And He's constantly sending us messages. Many of them, we are not so thrilled with what those messages are. But our Father in Heaven is communicating with us. He is forcing us to recognize that Amazon package after Amazon package after Amazon package is coming from Hashem and He's saying, Hello, hello, hello. And maybe if for a minute we stopped and we internalized the feeling that Hashem is forcing upon some people, but voluntarily we take those feelings onto ourselves, it will be a nechama for the families because we will have internalized the midos of Hashem that are coming down into this world. And I hope that we don't have to continue to get these messages because we can internalize, as Chazal say, that when you stick your hand into your pocket and you take out the wrong coin, that's also a midah from Hashem. That's also a message from Hashem. And if we do that, maybe we will have gotten the message. So tonight's lesson, that midos are bifurcation. There's external and there's internal midos. And a person has to recognize that you have so much potential. And sometimes when you're dating somebody, you're married to somebody and they challenge you, that is the best shidduch for you. It is the best shidduch for you. Don't look at your husband and say, oh, you're so different than me. Say, thank you for being different than me. You challenge me, you bring out the best in me. I appreciate what you do for me. The second idea which we spoke about is that sinas chinam, we have to bifurcate. We have to separate between the person and the principle or the action that they're doing. We have to love them because they are blood. They are our family. And therefore we love them, no matter what. And the third idea is that when we have messages that come from Hashem, we have to bifurcate. On an external level, we're not experiencing it. But if we can internalize the feeling for a minute, that is an achama. Everybody have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining us over here. And Mr. Hashem, we'll see you in two weeks from now. All the best. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.